Hey everyone, this is Ksenia Montan and welcome to another episode of People of Marketing podcast. I'm the founder and CEO of Planable, the collaboration tool for social teams, and I launched this podcast to take a sneak peek into the lives of marketers that inspire me. Every week, we explore the story of their careers, the choices, mistakes, wins, and imperfections of their work life. My guest today is Perrin Lawrence, at the Global Head of Marketing and Communications for AI Reverie, a Forbes Top 2020 pick in the white-hot field of AI. She jumped into startup life from her previous role at the NBA as Director of Audience Development. Prior to that, she helped lead the New York Times transition into a digital-first company. Her past lives include brand promotion at Disney and the year filming a travel documentary and writing her way across 25 countries. Perrin, thank you so much for making time to join me on People of Marketing podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'll take any social opportunity these days. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, So I have so many questions about your life and about your uh, career and and, you know, the work that you've been doing. And I want to start this uh, by doing a bit of an introspection. So I want to ask you, um, why do you think you got into marketing? What, you know, what attracted you to marketing in the first place? And if you can remember your first interaction with marketing ever. There were a couple things, but I think when I really decided that this is where I'd be going was in college. I took a... um, Wharton course where we got to work with some real companies on projects like Pepsi and advertising their water brands, which to me felt like selling air. Like, how do you do it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So like working with them and um, we had this interesting case study too from Axe where um, their consumer insights team had found that lo and behold, teenage boys weren't buying grooming products at all. Mm. <laughs> their, their moms were buying them for them and having trouble getting boys to use them because um, they didn't care about grooming, but they did care about girls and dating <laughs> in general. And so they turned it into more of their products into more of a dating service, at least via their marketing and um, sort of product names and things like that. And I thought it was just really like a good intersection of um, research and analytics and creativity. Um, and I had been looking for ways to combine those left and right brain things. And what did you study uh, at the university? I was a journalism major. It seems like you started with marketing directly. It doesn't seem like, did you do any journalism? Um, did you pursue that part of your uh, career in the beginning? I really didn't in the beginning. I think the only time I've really spent writing was when I took this year to make a travel documentary and um, create a website with my sister, just sort of encouraging women to um, both take breaks from their professional lives at some point um, and to travel broadly. So that was my big writing moment. Um, I've also gotten to do a lot more writing now that I'm in communications, but I I have to say professionally speaking, (laughs) once I left school, I stopped with the reporter thing in part because my mom was a journalist and I thought that the deadlines and the amount of travel were a little crazy. It's a very (laughs) demanding career, but it was wonderful to work at the times where I was close to so many journalists who Mm. were um, hitting those deadlines and making those sacrifices in terms of travel and like travel vicariously through them and see their work up close was really 
how did you get involved into filming a travel documentary? And what was your favorite country out of those 25, if you can name one? <laughs> well, I've been planning for my quarter life crisis at age 25. <laughs> um, and so I was putting all my feelers out to everyone I know who'd done big travel and people in the travel and um, web space. Uh, I knew I wanted to stay on the map, at least digitally, and take the time to um, work on a project that would hone my, I guess you would now call it content creation skills, but you know, just get myself more familiar with video production and social media promotion and that kind of thing. So um, had my feelers out and found a group called Jet Set Zero that was working with YouTube to um, create a program for YouTube's travel channel. It was all about living the jet set life on zero dollars. Hmm. And as someone with close to zero dollars at that time, <laughs> it resonated with me. Um, I mean, it sort of matched my ambition at least. So I, I auditioned and hooked up with them um, to be in the documentary and help them produce it. And that's probably, I mean, perhaps from a career perspective, but certainly from a personal growth perspective, the most yeah. rewarding thing I've done. Um, since graduating. I can imagine. So what was the countries that you really, really enjoyed out of those 25? I think my favorite was probably Thailand because mm. it was the most different and exotic um, and we timed it perfectly by pure chance. We wound up in Chiang Mai for the Lantern Festival. They have an annual festival where they set off just tens of thousands of lanterns into the air and it looks like a second layer of stars and it's I mean it's unbelievably romantic in the air on the ground it's kind of scary because <laughs> they do sell an awful lot of fireworks and there are no <laughs> rules around them so they're being set up willy-nilly everywhere um but it was wild it was really fun that sounds amazing. But at the same time, it's extremely sad to talk about travel right now. <laughs> so I'll move, to my, I'll move <laughs> to my next question before I cry. Um, we'll get there. We'll get back out there. Yes, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, so something that I wanted to ask you, you know, uh, early in your career, when you were just starting out in marketing, did you have anyone you were admiring or looking up towards, kind of like a role model in marketing that you know, was inspiring you at that point in time? Did you follow anyone? Well, I actually had a really good boss um, when I was at Disney, still earlier in my career. And she was the first boss I had who um, was not only focused on brand strategy and really savvy in that department, but also had all these tricks that she let me see in terms of... <laughs> Um, getting things done and concepts sold in within a really big organization. Like she taught me to stand up when you're on a conference call, <laughs> especially if you're trying to sell something in because it gives you more presence. Even if people can't see you, they can hear that little things like that. She was just a really good mentor. Amazing. It's very lucky to get people like that very early on. I think that's getting mentors like that early on in your career is the best way to shape yourself and you know everyone who gets the chance to do that is is extremely lucky uh, so i'm happy for you that you you had such a great boss <laughs> agreed agreed did you have anyone like that 
Um, yes, I did. When I started my uh, my business, when I started Planable very early on, um, we went through a, an acceleration program um, that helps you, you know, uh, build your business, build your startup, launch it. We had a few mentors there um, that went through that same thing and they knew a lot about that. And I was amazed with their profile and with, with what they achieved and, I think it's extremely important to have someone like that when you're starting something, either a business or if you're early in your career, it's just vital to learn from someone. Um, yeah. <laughs> I agree. Um, that sounds wonderful. So I wanted to ask you, uh, it, it happens in life that we have insignificant events or they seem like they, they, they are insignificant at that time. We don't think about them too much. But then in time, we realize that those small uh, events actually went on and, and made a difference, changed our lives. Did you have anything like that? Any magic like that? Hmm. Within my career? Yeah, within your career, yeah. Um, I guess you could say in one case, it was connecting with the right recruiter. <laughs> yeah, but another was, helpful. <laughs> yeah, very helpful. Um, in another, it was um, just attending a meeting that I wasn't, it was on a project I wasn't directly involved in, but I was curious about it. And one of my coworkers pulled me in just to hear more about the project and that is where I met the two of the three co-founders that I'm currently working with now at my startup. Um, they were pitching this new machine learning based tool um, that could be used for the marketing department. They didn't quite have the concept down completely. And I think there was a lot of skepticism that this could take a lot of time. It might not be a good use of resources. and. I sort of latched onto it and <laughs> said, this is exactly what we've been looking for. We would version it this other way, but we should absolutely explore it and started working with them on it. And um, I remember my, now my current boss again, um, looked at me, he's like, you're crazy like we are. <laughs> like, let's get on board. Um, but that, I mean, that resulted in both the collaboration on that tool there, which did get built. Um, and is now helping the New York Times um, to even just address privacy concerns. Like they're able to do um, really intensive Facebook and Twitter marketing without using the Facebook and Twitter pixels, um, which was important to them. I think from a journalistic perspective, they've got this big privacy project that they're reporting on and they wanted to definitely put their money um, where their journalism was <laughs> um, in terms of making sure that the entire business followed the sorts of practices that the newsroom would be preaching about. So um, it wound up being a, a real hit. <laughs> and, yeah. um, and then when um, these two guys, Dale and Paul, broke off to um, create an AI-based company, um, ultimately they called me to join on the marketing side. And so that's what I'm doing now. Amazing. So it led me to a number, it was one little meeting and it led to some <laughs> really big projects for me. I love this story so much. It's exactly the type of answers I'm looking for on this question. So tell, <laughs> us, tell us a bit about your transition to the startup world. I can't imagine it's, it's, it's a difference from what you've experienced so far in your career. Tell us what was the most surprising thing um, that you discovered in the startup world or in, in your uh, recent new startup life? Right. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm still discovering. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I've been, uh, three months, right? 
I think I'm, I'm two months in. Oh, okay. Um, following about 13 years working for giant yeah. brands, um, large companies. So I think some of it is as expected, you know, like there are really no office politics. There's <laughs> a little more rolling up your sleeves and getting things done. You have to be a little scrappier. Um, but I knew I, one of the things that really appealed to me is I didn't know what I didn't know. And so I'm starting to figure out what that is now. And I think one of the things will definitely be um, the applications for consumer marketing in the B2B space, which I hadn't, which I was hoping for, but hadn't um, really seen how that would come to bear um, until now that I'm really getting into a couple projects here and um, vice versa. I think there are some approaches that um, you use in startup life that, you seldom see applied in a big mm. company. So I'm glad that I'll have those with me. Um, I think it is a little bit of, it's a bit jarring to go from big company to small startup because you can be the squeakiest wheel and put out what you think <laughs> is a big deal of a press release or a campaign <laughs> and nobody cares because your brand budgets are small and um, the awareness is just lower. So um, I think I'm going to have to be that much more inventive and resourceful um, and focused in terms of who we're going after and how Um, it'll just be a really good training. Right. Right. And were you considering in the past joining a startup or how did you get to this uh, career, you know, switch that you've made? Yeah. I mean, I'd always been, curious, um, partly because in marketing now we're all kind of tech adjacent with performance marketing and the level of data that's available to us and the tools that we use with MarTech. Um, And technology is really sort of the industry of our day. It's Um, And the Silicon Valley experience is one I definitely wanted to learn more about. So while I'm not actually in Silicon Valley, and maybe now (laughs) it's just the distributed experience, (laughs) Um, but um, I've been looking for the right opportunity because startups are so personality driven um, and, you know, their success or failure can be so dependent on maybe one or two products. So I think as I saw this startup taking shape and I knew the players who were involved, who were so talented, who I'd worked with before. And I've um, used this type of technology before and seen how powerful it is. Um, I felt like this is actually a pretty safe bet. (laughs) I told my family a couple years ago, if this startup ever calls me, I'm going to (laughs) have to drop what I'm doing and go work for them. And they called one day and I thought, shoot, (laughs) the day's come. (laughs) I guess let's go. (laughs) So I'm curious, you know, how was the, the you know, this, this pivot that you've made with your career during a crisis? That's brave. Um, oh, how did that feel? How did... Before uh-huh. coronavirus came around. Yeah. <laughs> the timing was a little tricky, but um, I think luckily, I mean, they're, they're venture backed. And yeah. so they've got a couple of years of runway. And you've worked um, with them before. So, you know, onboarding and, you know, getting to know the team is... Yeah, thank God for that. I mean, I, exactly. True. Have you ever worked remotely before? Sort of. I spent a year at the Times in the London office. Mm-hmm. So I did, I was still in an office, but most of my team was in New York. So I got a taste of it. What was some of the things that you've implemented right now, like in the past two months since you, you've been working fully from home? 
how do you keep yourself productive? Did you discover any <laughs> tips and tricks to share with us on planning your work, planning your schedule, uh, balancing a bit the, the life and the work, you know, getting the most out of your day? Anything you could share with us about that? Yes, there were a few things. I mean, I think in terms of structure, having a routine has been mm. so key, like a set space where I do my work and um, not from the couch. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I put on real clothes <laughs> and at least once a week I wear makeup and it just um, puts me in the right mindset. And I think the other key thing is more than ever before is setting the agenda for the day before I sign off the day before mm -hmm. so that I can jump back in with some momentum. Since you don't have, you know, a physical entry into an office with coworkers greeting you and, yeah. you know, not necessarily as many meetings as you may have had. Um, that's been really key. I mean, we also moved from New York city to a house, which is as a parent <laughs> having a separate space from my daughter was pretty key in being productive at all. Seems like you've hit the you know, perfect timing in, in all of those. You made the change at the good timing. You moved at a good timing. Seems like you're very, very lucky. <laughs> or have like a sense of premonition. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true, true. So talking a bit about going back to your, uh, to the early life, or early career of yours. Um, is there anything you wish you knew when you're just starting out in marketing? Any advice you would give to yourself or to someone else in your shoes a few years ago? I would say be patient mm -hmm. because when you're, at least when I was graduating, I was scared about <laughs> landing a job. And so I kind of took the first thing that came to me, even though, you know, my instincts were saying it wasn't quite right. Um, follow those instincts. If something seems like grunt work that might not lead anywhere. Yeah. probably what it is. Um, and it can be hard to shift once you start to build a resume in one sector, even within the wide world of marketing, um, people tend to specialize pretty quickly. And, mm -hmm. um, especially before you hone your political prowess, it can be hard to make horizontal shifts, um, and network your way into yeah. something. So I'd say, apply to a lot of different things, network and do your research, like be a little patient, like even if it means you might have to live at your parents' house for an extra couple months, <laughs> like take that time and, and in general, just realize that it is like the world of work is not a four-year program <laughs> from which you graduate. It is not a race. It is a marathon. Um, so don't pull too many all-nighters in the beginning like take care of yourself and um don't get too stressed out about being promoted within six months um <laughs> just do really good work and keep following um the things that genuinely interest you i love that and i'd love to dig a bit deeper into what you said uh, right now so i'm curious if you had if you had a plan or a strategy back then did you have like a, a roadmap for yourself how did you think about your career in the next 10 years? What did you envision for yourself? I, I really struggled to make a plan going forward. I had an idea of the end point, which is somewhere where I am now. Um, but it was, I thought I could just put in like the blood, sweat and tears of hard yeah. work and get there. Um, you do have to be a little more measured and strategic about it. Um, 
and make very careful moves from company to company that are, or even just position to position, that are in line with what you want to be doing. Um, and and be patient. Um, That's really great advice. I yeah, being someone early in my career, I can resonate with that a lot. Thank you yeah. for sharing that. <laughs> no, of course, you're doing just fine. I'm definitely not saying just sit on your hands and like watch Netflix in all your spare time. But um, I guess I've been surprised too at how extracurricular activities and things that seemed hmm. unrelated to my career path have helped it along. Can you give an example? Mm-hmm. Yep. So I um, took a bunch of improv classes. Um, did improv for many years with the pit and UCB in the city before I had a kid. (laughs) So glad I got that in, but I also (laughs) like, I just met a group of people who I wouldn't have otherwise crossed paths with some of whom wanted to be full-time actors or do something totally different. But, um, a few of whom were in marketing, um, and in different spaces of it. And, um, it was useful to have that network for guidance, um, and for job opportunities, um, and it's also been useful to just to have that different skill set to help me do presentations. <laughs> I mean, yeah. little things that can really help you move forward. Um, it's just exercising a different muscle um, outside of the corporate space. And also just the re- sort of refreshment that that provides. Like, you don't want to be thinking about your job 24-7 because you will burn out. Um, so having a varied slate with your nights and weekends is truly important that reminds me a bit of uh that story about steve jobs that took some uh, typography classes when he was in you know college just for fun and then Mm -hmm. those typography classes really inspired him and helped him a lot to have great fonts on the Mac. Well, he didn't do it's the fonts, true. but he had the eye for, uh, for them. So that reminds me a bit of it. You can't, you know, um, sometimes you don't know what's going to help you. Um, but yeah, that's, it's absolutely true. I think he, was it him who had that speech about connecting the dots when you yes, look backwards? Exactly. It makes so much sense looking back and you can't always see it looking yeah. forward. Exactly. Yes. Um, so in this podcast, I also love to talk about, um, I feel like in our industry, we talk a lot about the great stuff. Uh, we have, you know, awards and we have a lot of media coverage about just not just in the marketing industry, but mostly probably in all of industries. Uh, we are very optimistic uh, human beings. Um, and in this podcast, I love I loved to talk a bit about the challenges and the struggles and, and some of the small failures that we as marketers went through. And I want to ask you, what was the skill or the habit in yourself that you struggled the most to develop? And what are the current ones that, that you're still you know, trying to improve in yourself? That is a great question. Um, never had any challenges. Don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I am perfect. <laughs> um, that's a huge joke. So <laughs> the toughest thing for me was probably office politics um, and something mm. I'm still working on, although it's not such a big deal at a startup. If you never yeah. want to do politics, maybe go to a startup. But um, yeah, I think it was, I was oblivious to them to begin with and maybe a little idealistic that maybe didn't have to play them, but um, <laughs> started to realize that you know, if you really want um, your 
projects and ideas to come through, you do have to do a bit of it. Make the right connections and impressions um, and support the right strategic priorities internally while still not feeling like a butt kisser or <laughs> like I was, you know, spending too much time on the politics versus actual work. Finding that balance, I mean, it's a constant struggle. So yeah. you definitely get better at it over time. And it's, of course, easier as you rise up in an organization and have a little more um, of a, just purview into everything that's going on in the company. It does get much easier. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, true, true. So uh, something else that I wanted to ask you, you, you know, across those 13 years of experience, you, uh, you've shifted through different positions and through different uh, companies and what can you share one of your lowest points throughout your career what happened there and how did you emerge out of it yeah sure I mean I found myself not too long ago working in ad sales marketing at a company that was basically selling itself for parts <laughs> it announced shortly after I arrived. Um, so it was a little demoralizing of a welcome message for sure. I didn't feel like I was doing the things that I'm best at or working on something that I really believed in. I think the more success I've had and the happier I've been is that is, you know, it's aligned not to a certain type of product, but just like a product that I do seriously believe in. <laughs> Since as a marketer, you have to really get behind it and sell it. Um, so yeah, it was just not in the right spot and the challenge was figuring out how to get out of it, which again, looking forward is very hard to see. So I wound up seeing a career coach and, um, she helped me identify the sort of three priorities I should have when looking at different jobs. Um, this is where sort of the like, patience and careful evaluation aspect comes in where it's, <laughs> Not any job that sounds good or seems to be in the right direction, but yeah. sort of like have a real rubric for maybe the top three most important things that you need. For me, it's mission, the type of people I'm working with, and, um, and the skills that I'll be using. Well, th thank you, Perrin, so much for sharing this. I mean, I, I, I really appreciate it. My next question is a bit related to the industry. Um, we often see that our industry is very filled with, with buzzwords and new trends all the time. Uh, and you've been in this industry and you've seen it for such a long time. You, you've, you've seen all the new trends. And I'm curious if you have like one belief or one buzzword trending today in marketing that is really annoying you or that you disagree completely with. <laughs> I think that the world of influencer marketing has gotten a little bit out of control. <laughs> I think it's something that has been remarkably effective. Um, when I used it in the past and I even helped um, bring on this mom blogger influencer community called Babbel um, into Disney when the, uh, it was bought by Disney back in 2012, I want to say. Um, but I think now, I mean, the, the benefit of it was that these were people who had a really original creative and really unique voices. And um, it was a way of getting around sort of the monotone that comes out of mainstream media. And that now I think there are so many 
influencers or people trying to make it as influencers that, um, I don't know. I think unfortunately, uh, it's harder to find those unique voices and there's a little more, um, of the same type of content being turned out. And I think it's really hard to make it as an influencer. Yeah. <laughs> you really have to worry about getting those likes and having a good content schedule and <laughs> building your following it is hard work. So I think the stress of it all and the competition that there is now um, has been difficult. So I'm hoping it gets to a place where um, sort of the joy <laughs> of being on social media and being in the influencer space can return. Um, and people's sort of very unique perspectives can be heard again, and there's less pressure to sort of sing from a party line, either for a brand or, you know, to make it within your vertical. Yeah. So, um, influencer, uh, marketing is not the first, uh, time, uh, as an answer to this question on, on our podcast. seems like, uh, uh, lots of people have a beef of it <laughs> or have raised concern about, um, influencer marketing. Um, yeah, and it's tough. I mean, I think there used to be a ton of organic social reach, but algorithms yeah. have changed. And so that's part of the challenge. Yeah, true, true. So I have one last question for you before we wrap up with our rapid fire session. Um, and my last question is related to your choice of being in marketing. Um, if you're happy with it, if you're happy that you chose to go the marketing route and not the journalism one or, or, or something else, and what do you think are the pros and cons of being in marketing. You mentioned at the beginning about the pros and cons of being uh, in journalism, the long hours, the traveling. What do you see as a disadvantage of working in marketing and what's good about it as well? Mm, definitely in terms of what's good is you really do get to use both halves of your brain. Um, <laughs> yeah. True. Now playing more in the comms space, I and mean, I love that I get to write more and sort of the extroverted, like people connection side of comms. Mm -hmm. um, but I found, you know, marketing for me <laughs> um, is at least modern marketing with all of the measurement um, and, you know, all of the insights that are available is more interesting um, because you can be really creative and then get a very sharp sense of what then occurred. <laughs> like, yeah. how did your brand message resonate? How did um, your sort of creative targeting pan out? Um, and yeah, those are the pros of it, I think. And it's just such a huge field. Yeah, you, it, there's a lot to choose, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can be more tech and data focused, you mm. can be fully brand and creative focused or production focused. Um, you can talk to consumers, you can talk to businesses, big companies, small companies, like there is a lot of diversity. So um, it, it's often just about finding your particular space in the marketing world. And the, the drawback, I, I guess, would be that that can be really hard to navigate. Mm, yeah. You only get so many chances, you know, you want to commit to each job that you take for a certain period of time and make an impact on it. So, um, like you can iterate over time, but it takes time and you do have to be choosy. So, yeah. Um, good. So moving on to the, um, rapid fire session, I have four questions for you. Um, are you ready? Sure. Go for it. Good. Uh, so first one is, um, if you wouldn't be doing what you're doing today, what else do you think you would do? Writing and parenting. 
Amazing. Uh, what's your favorite app or tool you use at work? <laughs> this is old school, but Google <laughs> Workspaces, Google Docs being a favorite. <laughs> what works, works. <laughs> exactly. Uh, worst advice you've ever received? Don't apply to Harvard. Oh, wow. <laughs> Just apply. <laughs> See what happens. And your favorite or most addictive social media network? Where do you spend your time? I'm going to say WhatsApp because it's not a social media network with a capital S in, yeah. but it's a social network. And, yeah. um, I'm kind of over the mass reach thing right now. <laughs> it's just a great intimate space, especially in these COVID days to have those groups pulled together yeah. in conversation has been really valuable. That's great. Um, Piran, thank you so much for having such a, an amazing conversation. I really appreciate you. You took the time to genuinely share your story and then the journey you've been through. I, I really loved chatting with you. Thank you so much for letting me talk about myself for so long <laughs> and, and for the great work that you're doing. This is, it has been an incredible podcast to tune into. So definitely keep up the good work. And, and thank you. More people coming and, and giving advice. It's very valuable. Thank you so much. And um, you guys, for everyone else listening in, uh, thank you so much for joining. And I hope you enjoyed this episode as, as much as I enjoyed uh, chatting with Perrin. Um, and don't forget, we have new episodes every Wednesday. Uh, subscribe to People of Marketing on, on your favorite podcast app and just keep being awesome. Talk soon.